This is Pam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air for the first time with Fitz Kohler. And you're a fitness innovator, race announcer, speaker, author, and cancer crusher. And I wanted to welcome you to the Pam Electric Ghost podcast. How are you doing tonight? I am spectacular. No complaints. Nice to see you. You want to let people know we do have uh, your 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 website up. It's fit, fitsness.com. Uh, and that will be fully clickable. We have the full URL when the podcast is published, people can click through on that. And I want to also let people know this is actually episode 1042 of the Fan Electric Ghost podcast. We've been on the air since 2016. And uh, we also are going to be talking about resilience today. That's 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 the topic of the episode. And one of the things we like to ask guests, like the first thing we come off the bat now, we're asking people like, what motivates you? Like, why do you do what you do? I want to help people live better and longer. And I truly believe in fitness as a outlet for all good things. Everything in your want to life, everything you want in life can be made better and more achievable if you take good care of your health. So you you maybe want to give people like the backstory or this your tell your story. Um, because I did mention you're a cancer survivor. I am also a cancer survivor, so what I remember about my journey was it did make me make changes. Um, and when I was age 27, I'm age 56. Wow. But uh, it, it is a, it's a serious thing to happen to people. You hate to have something, you know, that devastating happen to make you realize you need to do st- certain things. But maybe you can tell your story about that. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. A lot of people do hit that fork in the road called cancer or heart disease or diabetes, whatever it is, and think, oh, my gosh, I... I've been doing the wrong thing. I need to switch. And uh, fortunately, cancer just made me double down on the things I was doing. Cancer really brought to light that the things I were doing were the right things for for me. And those things actually, I think, contributed to my being here. So uh, in early February of 2019, I was living my best life. I'm an athlete. I'm a fitness expert. I'm a race announcer. I do speaking and and, uh, all sorts of things to help people live better and longer. And seven weeks after a crystal clear mammogram, I got out of the shower at a race weekend naked and I rubbed my under boob and I found a lump and it was a sizey lump. And I instantly picked up the phone and called that doctor and said, Hey, I called my doctor and said, Hey, I found a lump. And they said, can you come in tomorrow? And I said, no, I'm running a race tomorrow. And she said, okay, how about Monday? And I said, sure. So Found the lump and within about a week or so, I had several appointments and mammogram and ultrasound where they found not only that mass, but several hard swollen lymph nodes. And after a punch biopsy, a surgeon called and said, Fitz, I'm so sorry, but that tumor, that mass is indeed a cancerous tumor and it already has spread to your lymphatic system. It is running through you like wildfire and we need to treat you urgently and aggressively. And so they did. And so we dove right into treatment. I ended up with 15 months of chemotherapy, which was a very long time to have chemo, 33 rounds of radiation and some surgery. And I'm very grateful to say I am cancer free and have been for quite a few years. But I I made some really good decisions before and during my cancer care that were life enhancing for me. But they were decisions that I thought I need to help. I need to share these with other people because other people can do much better, whether they have cancer or not. 
Mm-hmm. These are decisions that can really elevate everything in your life. And so um, cancer was hard. Cancer was hard. It was full of losses. It was full of grief and stress. Um, but I also made some wonderful choices that brought out some of my best days I've ever had, best moments I've ever had. Yeah, what I found is really interesting. It's like I had, you know, the cancer I had was when I was young, 27. And, young. and um, one thing I found is like some of my fellow, my friends kind of fell off because they were kind of scared of it. And I don't know if you've run into this situation, but I had some people in my circle that disappeared. And I think it was because of the mortality of it. Because when you see somebody going through something like that, then you have to deal with like potentially like life-threatening thing. And then you might not want to be in that space. And I found there were certain people that didn't want to be in that kind of space. That yeah. have that kind of heaviness around. I don't know if you felt that had that kind of situation or not. Yeah. So I would say overwhelmingly, the majority of people in my world, people not even in my world came out of the woodwork to support me. So I was very fortunate, but I did have one of my childhood best friends completely ghost me. I mean, she, she was one of those people before I made it public that I had cancer and this is what was going on. I had a short list of family members and friends that I wanted to notify. So they didn't hear through social media. Right. And she was one of those people I called and I didn't catch her. She didn't answer. So I had to go through with my announcement. There was never, never a note, never a car, never a text. You know, she lives far away, but I had hundreds or thousands of people that live far away that sent love and support. So yeah, I definitely got ghosted by one of my besties, which was really hurtful. But I, you know, those are things that I can't control what other people do. So I still, I love her. I send her my best. I wish her well, but yeah, cancer, cancer drove her off. And you know, what do you do about that? It happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Cause it's not contagious, but I think it's the, it's the, <laughs> it's the situation. And some people can't deal with situations that are kind of heavy, a heavy situation. It's a real, and I think some folks, you know, it's heavy in your life, in your life. And so it's heavy to, uh, to a whole circle of people. And, you know, you never know what individuals can handle. And it's kind of like the law of attraction. You know, people fall off. If you start changing in your life, you might not be who you were when you're 18 or 22 or whatever. And right. people want to remember you at that point, right? And if you change, they're not comfortable with who you are now. And yeah, I've, I think- I've run into that kind of scenario. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I mean, she, this, this person is very, I mean, she's the one that really sticks out to me. Um, and I just think, thank goodness I survived, or I think she would have had some long-term guilt associated with her behavior, but I live, she's got nothing yeah. to feel bad about. So, you know, my, yeah. my, really my disease was mine. It wasn't anybody else's. So I, like I said, I wish her well, I'm disappointed in that person, but overwhelmingly almost everybody else was super supportive and sweet. I, and I couldn't have had it better that in that category. Well, what, what were the, um, I guess, um, the most surprising things about your treatment that kind of, you, you, you really kind of, you know, change your mindset or, or affected you that you didn't expect. Oh, did I you, like, um, you know, the most surprising thing about your cancer treatment, because we've been talking about uh, like the your back, your kind of background story about what happened and, uh, you know, what happened to you. But from this 
point, like what was the most surprising thing about your cancer treatment? Um, I would say all of the things that nobody talks about. So I, I was very bald and I was very sick and I was very tired. I had all of those symptoms that people discuss openly, but then all mm -hmm. this weird stuff started happening and I was surprised that nobody was mentioning it. So uh, all of my fingernails ripped off. They ripped off. They would, every round of the main chemo, I would have a ridge would form on my fingernails. And mm. then they just got so weak. If I, if I went to pick something up and pinch it and it touched whatever object, it would touch my fingernails. They just ripped right off. My toenails ripped off. My eyes changed colors. Um, when I went bald, I wasn't just weirdly bald, I was bald with a skunk stripe down the top of my head because for my whole life, I've parted my hair in the center. And so mm, I was bald, <laughs> I was a skunk. And so that's some of the weird stuff. That's actually what I filled my books with. I've mm. got the story details, the juicy details that nobody discusses because it was really frustrating to me when, again, when fingernails started ripping off, I had no idea why. And, yeah. and, and then, so I figured it out. And, and so I write about that stuff. It's the books are, are written with a, a very sarcastic sense of humor because it, you have to laugh, right? If you don't laugh at yourself, all you're going to do is cry. So those were the most surprising parts of cancer is that there's all this weird and crazy stuff that nobody discusses. But since you were an athlete, I imagine you already had healthy lifestyle. You had probably a healthy diet. You're probably doing the right things from from those perspectives. Did you have to adjust any of those things or were those things that you were getting right? Yeah, I mean, I, I my healthy habits certainly carried me through in a way that uh, I wouldn't have been able to do the things I did if I were not so committed to exercise and nutrition. I mean, I was so sick. My doctor told me at one point, he said, Fitz, if you were not so committed to exercise and nutrition, you would have been hospitalized for a month. I, I've given you the meanest concoction of drugs I give anybody. And instead of being in the hospital with a feeding tube, you have traveled the country every single weekend, um, having more adventure than most healthy people have. So uh, so yeah, my, my health and fitness paid off. However, it was really, it, it was impossible to be who I was before cancer. You know, so I was a girl mm -hmm. who figured out all right, I'm sick in bed for days at a time sometimes. What can I do in bed? Can I stretch in bed? Yes. Can I do leg lifts? Can I do some strength training? Can I stretch in the shower? So I had to really modify my workout routine based on the fact that I was violently ill for a long time. Uh, my mm -hmm. stomach was a mess. I mean, chemo really wreaked havoc on my system. So I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat all the roughage I love. Like I love eating broccoli and yeah, you know, and that stuff was like not working for your body no, at that point. No, imagine having a, you know a tequila hangover or food poisoning. The last thing you want to eat is broccoli. So I was constantly trying to figure out how do I get some nutrition in here that's not going to upset my tummy. So it was tricky. It definitely was tricky. But the overriding priority on doing my best was a, a a very powerful tool for me and not everybody has that some people just they just think whatever i've got cancer i'm gonna eat all the crackers and it's gonna be fine and hopefully it, they will be fine but you know it's, endless studies have proven that you can actually weaponize exercise and nutrition to help yourself reach remission and make yourself less likely to have a recurrence so 
it's important that people don't throw their hands up and say, oh, it doesn't matter because all of those things really do matter. Did you find that, um, like I know when I was dealing with oncologists and radiologists, I mean, they're, they're what, I didn't have a nutritionist. Yeah. And I, you know, I I had to kind of figure out, like I, I have, you know, I'm eating like oatmeal. Yeah. I'm eating like, like porridge. I'm eating like, you know, dr like protein drinks. You know, it's like, and I'm getting stuff through that. Um, because, you know, I, I really had like, I was immobile because I had some surgery where I couldn't move for months because mm -hmm. I had an open wound that had to get taken care of by a nurse. So it was like from being a mountain biker to suddenly not being able to do that, that was hard, hard for me for like that first uh, couple of months. I, I was a, you know, immobile situation. It wouldn't let me move that much. Yeah. Um, so I did, that's always hard to figure out like, what are you supposed to do in that scenario? Yeah. And uh, so I did not have a nutritionist or an exercise oncologist. And I think my team of doctors, they knew who I was and what I did. So they were like, she knows everything. So I, I would have been happy to speak with a nutritionist. Most cancer patients can ask their doctor and be connected with an, a nutritionist or a dietitian that specializes in oncology or an exercise oncologist. And then of course, for everybody, there's my books, right? So that's what this one's about. Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong. This is the guidebook to help any type mm -hmm. of cancer patient, any age, any gender, any type of cancer, help them navigate those waters of chemo, radiation, surgery, transplants, amputations, while focusing on exercise and nutrition. So uh, yeah, it was, it was all very tricky. And of course, nothing I had experienced before. And I lost a ton of weight. I actually was, uh, most cancer patients that survive gain weight. You I, lost weight. I, I, I was the opposite. I became a little skeleton and I had to work very, very hard to put weight back on and, and healthy weight, mm -hmm. and muscle. Mm -hmm. So, so one of the things I was wondering, um, in terms of like returning back to normal or the, or the process of, um, Giving it like it's a mindset thing. Like I, on this podcast, I always talk about mindset, and you kind of hinted at it. Like if you think it's over, then you're gonna drink, you're gonna eat all the ice cream, you're gonna get all the things you want because you're like, I'm not gonna be here, so I'm just gonna do what I want without thinking like, what What if you survive this? And don't you want to be like your better self? Right. Don't you you know put yourself in a, in a in a positive mind frame rather than going into the down? You're like downward. You're like oh, I'm gonna live in the down. So it's like oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, so is, is that something in terms of like, when you talk about your book, do you talk about mindset and how to get that mindset? Yeah, absolutely. So mental fortitude is a part of all of the books, all three books, the journal, my noisy cancer comeback, which is the memoir, and then your healthy cancer comeback. Uh, so for me, I made these decisions as soon as I was diagnosed. Now, mind you, I was not a robot. I cried a whole bunch. I was more stressed than I've ever been on any day combined the stress that comes with cancer is just brutal. However, instead of getting into the pity party thing, which we see a lot of people choose pity parties. Oh, I fell down while running. Look at me. Look at my scab. Everybody feel pity for me. I just can't. Oh, that, that, that makes me recoil. So uh, when I was diagnosed, instead of having the pity party, what I thought about was all the children at the pediatric oncology unit at, at UF Health down the road from me. And I thought, well, can you imagine what it would be like to be a baby with cancer or a child? Mm -hmm. 
And I was so lucky to be a grown up with cancer. And I was so lucky it wasn't my kid with cancer, right? So right there, perspective rule of the day. And I thought, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grown up with cancer. I can do this. I'm going to put on my big girl panties. And I'm going to figure it out. I also chose to pursue my passions. And before they put one drop of chemo in me and I knew what was going to happen, I decided come hell or high water, if my kids have a sport, a ceremony, a show, I'm going to be there. Cancer's not stealing my special times with my kids. And then I also decided that I wasn't letting it steal my career. I love what I do. I worship the organizations and the people that I serve. And I knew that, for example, if the Big Sur International Marathon was taking place, which I announced, and I bailed and I just was staying home while that race was going on, that race weekend, I would do nothing but cry all weekend. I knew that pulling me from the things and the people that I love would do nothing but depress me. And, you know, it's interesting. I started doing the math. I think I probably had to answer the question about a dozen times where they kept, I'd fill out paperwork and they'd say, okay, do you have a DNR in place? I was constantly asked if I had a do not resuscitate in, oh, wow. in place. And I just kept thinking, where I mean, I was, I was running races. How now am I the person who has to worry about whether they should resuscitate me or not? And so, mm. so many losses along the way with cancer. And I really decided that I needed some wins. And by making those choices, you know, of course, traveling like a 12 hour travel day with chemo sickness was miserable. It was really tough to get through. I'd get to where I was going. Quite often, I'd sleep on the hotel bathroom floor because that's the only place that will stop the world from spinning. But when my alarm went off at 4 or 5 a.m., I'd get on my, my, my race announcing clothes and I'd go over to my stage. And the second I stepped on those stages, absolutely every single thing that was wrong with me disappeared. I wasn't sick. I wasn't suffering. I wasn't tired. All I was was fueled with happy energy and passion and love for these people and these events. And so I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again, as long as I had an athlete on the course. And so those passions for me, whether it was my kids or my career, they gave me wins. It was, you know, every day when I was at home, it was always lost. You're losing your eyebrows. You're losing your lashes. You're lost your fingernails. Your eyes changed color. You're sick, sick, sick. You're losing weight. I was constantly losing things. And because I chose not to stay home and hide out, I had wins. And, and boy, do those wins mean so much to me. And those runners, they took such great care of me. And my job is to take care of them or the audience members when I do a keynote. Mm -hmm. My job is to serve everybody else. But when I was sick, they, they just, they showed up for me. Like, I, I, it just was miraculous. Strangers showed up for me. I didn't wear a wig. So and I, and I also didn't wear a shirt that said cancer warrior, never yeah. <laughs> but people saw me and they knew and they were kind and, and those were wins. And, and I, I, I gathered all those and they really just accumulated into me surviving. Well, that's important to have that kind of perspective. That's a, that's a really powerful mindset because um, you just have to have that positivity, you know, to, to know, that like you had a had a goal like I yeah I think you can set goals, you can set things like like, like you know getting up every day is 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 a good thing, yeah. you know being here is a good thing, being able to make it through like your treatment and you know get to the next level, progress, get stronger, get you know your healing done, 
but then you had bigger things than that. You kept on working, which I don't think a lot, you know, not everybody does that. So I think that's, that's very powerful. So, and, and you're right. And some people had to, you know, it's funny. I talk about my job always like it's a hobby because I, I just love it so much, but I also need a living. I have two children, you know, college and feeding them and all their activities. Kids are expensive. And so not working Oh, that would have been a real problem. That would have been a real problem. So I, I hate to say I had to work, but I, I I chose to work and I needed the income. And I know there's so many other people out there that are diagnosed and they don't have a choice. They might not love their job as much as I do, uh, but they have to go pay their bills and hopefully getting out of their house and getting into a space where there's hopefully positive people or productive tasks to be done can be really beneficial. And the other thing, Keith, is that people should, you know, have hobbies, real genuine hobbies. Do you love to play guitar? Do you love to sing? Do you love make, doing ceramics or knitting or being with your animals? Mm -hmm. Whatever's going on in your life, on the good days, you should do those things. On the worst days, you should do those things. If your house burns down, you know, go for a walk with your family, cry and get some exercise. You know, that walking will help you vent some of those toxic feelings and then go find a quiet place to crochet something, right? So whatever your hobbies are, they're not only for the, for the wonderful days, they're there to help you through the worst. And you can even enjoy your hobbies from a hospital room. You know, there's many things you can do in a hospital bed, but then if you can't do those things, you can always get on your phone and watch TikTok and enjoy people doing the things you love to do. So passions, passions should be a part of everybody's every day. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's like, you know, art therapy is a big thing for me. I'm a creative, so I'm a musician, so I have all kinds of tools. And some of them are portable, handheld, composing things, tools. Oh. And so I was able to do that. I said, whoa, I've got all this extra time to compose new material. Yeah. So I looked at it as kind of like people during during the um, pandemic, like, oh, you can't get out. Well, you if you have a home studio, you you could paint. You could do photography, you could do art, you could do music, you could do theater, you know, you could do one act plays on the net. So there's a lot of things that people can do um, Always. to occupy their mind and say, there's like, you know, just say if you have a perspective, oh, there's nothing to do. Well, yeah. you already said it in your head that there's nothing to do. You could watch your favorite Hitchcock movie, you know, you could go watch a bunch of film noir, you could go read a book, <laughs> you know, read some some books that you never got to. So I, I looked at it as, as like 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 this time to really dive in instead of just thinking about the loss. That's you think right. about like the time is a benefit to reflect and you know and create. Sure. Yeah, I mean we all have choices every day. We have a million choices in front of us and sometimes our choices suck and then sometimes we make really good ones and they better ourselves and better the people around us. So yeah, it's control what you can. That's the moral of the story is control what you can. Control your attitude, control your surroundings, control you know, your activities for the moment and make make a bad situation better. But you were so like dedicated to your right, announcing job. So maybe you can talk about the most exciting thing about being a race announcer that you kept on doing it through through cancer. So maybe you can talk about like, like what is it that you find exciting about doing it? Well, everything's exciting about it. I love 
doing what I do. So as a fitness professional, I've spent my career twisting people's arms, trying to get them, trying to convince them that exercise is a really good idea. And so sometimes people hear what I have to say and they go, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that. And they do. And then sometimes people hear it and they ignore it and then they get less and less healthy. But on race day, a race organization says, Hey, Fitzkohler, we've got about 20,000 people for you that think exercise is a great idea. And today they're going to go do it. And so my role as a race announcer from the start line and the finish line is to engage, inform, entertain, make people uh, welcome them, make sure they know what they need to know and make sure they have a real fun time and make sure they feel congratulated and special. And uh, what I love is, or well, I mean, there's a million parts I love, but my favorite is always the start line. So once I yell go, everybody who's participating in the race has to run by me and music's playing and usually before i yell go i whip them into a frenzy so there's some sort of frenetic energy people are just going a little nuts and they come by and they're waving quite often waving at me and smiling or calling my name and i'm saying nice things to them on the microphone and they hit me in the face with their joy i just I feel like I, I say it all the time, but they pelt me in the face with their joy. Every time they look and they wave and they smile and they dance and I just absorb it all. And uh, I, I've never done drugs, but I imagine this is what crack cocaine feels like. You know, yeah, it's like the energy. It's like the vibe. It's like the energy of the moment. Like I could say like a, like a musician when we go on stage and we get the audience feedback yeah. that gets people feeling like they get high. They feel like oh. it's, a, it's a high, it's a natural high from from the from the the back and forth of the artist interacting with the fan. And yeah. so I think when you have that kind of relationship with people that that you feel the energy of the moment that that's like that's a powerful thing because all these people have like you know they're pushing out electricity they got their heartbeat they got the the kind of vibe around them and if you're in tune you pick it up you know, and you're, you're in tune, you're picking it up. <laughs> I am, I do. And it's, uh, you know, I would go from race announcing on Saturday. I remember being at the Philadelphia Marathon and it was uh, 30 something degrees and raining. And I think we had 20,000 people lined up for the marathon and half marathon. And it was so raucous. I thought, I thought we were going to knock down the monuments, not by pushing them, but just people were jumping and it was, rah, it was so great. And I was just in heaven. I, I was removed from my sickness and I was just so happy. And then that was Saturday, Sunday. And then Monday morning, I was back in Gainesville, Florida, getting chemo. And it was so bizarre to go from this one to the other. I to this incredible low, this weird, weird <laughs> experience. Did and you I find that hard to deal with when, because you kept on involving yourself in things because you needed to for your for your spirit but then you'd have to get into that kind of you know away from that back to the treatment would put you kind of in the room uh, but then it, you, your thoughts can get like well i'm not around that energy now I'm back, i have my own thoughts and i'm dealing with this situation was it kind of like this kind of up and down yeah. or did you figure out how to level level yeah. through that it was a total roller coaster, but I was resolved. I mean, what were my choices? It was, uh, you know, get, announce a big Sur marathon, get on a red eye flight, come home Monday morning, go from California to Florida, have chemo at 10 a.m. Monday morning. And it was just one of those, how in the world 
did this happen? How do I go from that to this? So it, it, it wasn't lost on me. I was definitely baffled by the situation, but I was all also so grateful that I had these, these huge highs, these wins amongst all the losses. So yeah, I knew at the time, this is weird. This is batshit crazy. This makes no sense, but here we go. <laughs> here we go again. Well, also maybe to talk about like your whole brand, because we got it up fit, fitness.com. But like, what, um, what does it represent? Because we never really talked about it. I can kind of get the idea from what you've been saying, but maybe you can talk specifically about what your brand is about. Yeah. So my mission is to help people live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. But my brand specifically is gimmick-free, no nonsense. So I do not push diets or powders or snake oil, any supplements, any of that garbage. I teach people uh, the true, the scientific, science-backed ways to get fit, how to pursue the four pillars of fitness. It's strength, cardio, flexibility, balance. I teach them how to eat the right food, right amount of the right food for the size they want to be. And I, I, I could tell you that most of the people that... <sighs> listen to me, right? Come to me for guidance. They know I'm fairly pointed, often abrasive, and quite frequently I grab them and shake them or I <laughs> in the chest, even if it's only verbally, but I get away with it because I love them. You know, that's my brand is it's pointed and it's aggressive, but it's filled with love because I genuinely care about people. And I'm really proud of all of those things. I have a master's in exercise and sports sciences. And because, because I've been gimmick free and science backed and filled with love. I've been able to represent so many big deal powerhouse brands, Disney, Oakley, Tropicana, Office Depot, Raytheon, you name it. I've worked for some of the greatest corporations in America and they put me on their stages because they trust me. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the trust and authenticity that your people have to have. But, you know, we live in a world with, you know, the social media that's triggered by, you know, views. It's triggered like how many views you get. That does that mean it's good? You know, just because you get a lot of views on the algorithm doesn't mean you actually got the right information, right? It, so some people, you know, it's a popularity contest versus is the content valid? Is is what you're doing actually got some kind of back backdrop which based on something other than than a fad, other than trying to sell upsell something? So I think that a lot of times people are hit with so many inputs on in the, in the social media. It's hard to, for them to figure out what 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 is the actual real path. So do you help people kind of when people come to you? Have they already gone through a lot of paths that weren't valid, I, and they they found you as like oh they were recommended because they know your your background and they read your reputation and say well this is something that's going to be better. Yeah, I think so. I think so. A lot of my people have really gone down weird rabbit holes with diets and then the quote unquote nutrition stores where they're there buying all the pills and the powders and having no success. And they waste a lot of money. They waste a lot of time. They waste a lot of their good energy on the bad stuff. And eventually they come and they see my credentials and my reputation. You know, it's interesting with the influencer um, era. So there's a bunch of, I'll say women in thongs. You know, they're parading off their hot body. They don't have any credentials. They really don't have any real knowledge of how the human body works or what it should be fed. Um, but you're right. People are watching because hot girls are fun to watch. 
And then those hot girls start selling some garbage on TikTok just to make a buck. And what they're doing is they're they're uh, being vultures. They're stealing from people who want nothing more than to lose a few pounds or feel good in their body, uh, be pain free. And so I really take offense to these know nothings who portray themselves as experts in my field and harm people with their products or their sales. And sometimes it's just taking their hard earned money. So buyer beware. If you are trying to get fit or lose weight, you should be looking for someone like me with a college deg degree in exercise and sports sciences or applied kinesiology and physiology for specific nutrition guidance. You should go to a registered diet dietitian. Uh, it's not complicated. We, you know, it's the same people that go online and say, Hey guys, my knee hurts. What do you think it is? What? And, no, you go to a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Instagram for medical advice for your health. So yeah, it's just a buyer beware type uh, situation. And uh, we could be, people can be fooled by, you know, the girl in the thong or the guy with the abs, but unless yeah. they have the shiny object, you know, a shiny, they, they finally get drawn in by the shiny object. You get drawn in by the snake oil salesperson yeah. pitch. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, if something doesn't take hard work, it's supposed to get you from zero to a hundred. You should be suspicious of anything that gets you zero to a hundred with no hard work. Cause you, my grandpa says like everything takes hard work. Yeah. <laughs> and discipline. If you want to learn a language, you got to practice, you got to be consistent, you got to use discipline. Um, I assure you that these TikTok hotties, they're not going to be standing on the stages for uh, Oakley or, or Office Depot or Mar Merck Pharmaceuticals. They're, they're not credentialed. And, you know, the big timers, the ones that come with the big paychecks, they're not going to, those people are not going to fall for it. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's important uh, the people kind of weed through, you know, what's out there and find the things that are authentic. I've always talked about, you know, sometimes it's like vulnerability is part of like authenticity and being willing to like, you know, not just give up. So like, like if you, if you be honest about like, I'm trying something and maybe I failed, do it. You don't just give it up because you failed to, to hit the goal. Right. And so many people, they start and stop and give up because they have this unrealistic expectation that they're going to get to zero to a hundred very quick. Cause everything's like instant gratification today. So right. in, in, when you had to talk about your programs, you try to, do you try to let people know it's like, it's like, okay, that you're not going to, you know, get to a hundred, like the first day. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody does on anything ever. You know, I, I compare it to learning a new language just because you show up to your first, class in Russian doesn't mean you're going to speak Russian fluently the next day. It's probably going to take days, weeks, months, years for you to be really, really good at it. And, you know, unlike learning a language, fitness will impact the quality and the length of your life. So if you're going to get into anything, it should be yourself. But how do you make it sustainable? Because some people will get into something and they do something that's so fad that there, there's no way that they're going to be able to keep up that that process. Like, if you are you really going to do that for the next ten years, for the next fifteen years, for the next twenty? Like, if you need to do something for your life that's consistent and repeatable, and actually something that you could get done, um, you, you can't have like this mountain level 
uh, kind of attainment. Like you have to do something that you can incrementally do, right? Right, right. So before I tell anybody how to do anything, I, I explain why it's necessary. You know, why are all four pillars of fitness important? Some people think they can go for a walk every day and that makes them fit. And it's not true. Some people think they can run a marathon once a week and that makes them fit. It's not true. You need to be proficient in strength, flexibility, balance, and cardiovascular capacity. Without one of those uh, pillars, you don't even qualify as a fit person. Um, but I don't tell people that they need to do the activity I think they should do. I tell zero people that they should run. I, 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 I spend the great majority of my working time in the running, running industry. I adore it. I'm a part of it as a runner and a race announcer. I love the people. I love the events. However, you don't have to run if you want to exercise. Can you cycle? Can you dance? Can you do martial arts? There's a whole bunch of things you yeah. can do. Yeah. Much it's like, it's, it's, so some people might not, you know, not, not be a marathon or runner type of person, right? So maybe they're cyclists, they're a skier, they're snow, you know, there's, um, you know, we, uh, here in New Hampshire, people, uh, you need to, uh, what is it called? I forget it, but like, uh, you were snow walking or snowshoes. Um, I like hiking with snowshoes, but nowadays we don't get enough snow. <laughs> so it's, I'm just doing normal hiking, but, um, we are snow biking, but, um, I'm more of a cyclist, mountain biker, but I've always kind of geared to that because I don't know. I just like bikes, so that's my mindset. Is like I like to ride mountain bikes wow. and road bikes, well, and so that's that's my head head. You know, I mean, that's probably not everything that you could do, but there's certain level of fitness you have to ha be to be on the bike. Well, so, not necessarily. You can start out at a really low level and go really short distance at a really slow pace, and that's 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 the secret for everybody. Start where you are. Don't compare yourself to where you were in high school or in college or even ten years ago. None of that's mm -hmm. real. When I talk to somebody and I say, what are your goals? And they'll say, well, in high school, I was about, eh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. What are you doing? And where are you now? Mm. And we move the needle forward. You don't have to get 20% better tomorrow. You get 1% better tomorrow. I'm going to tell you that for your heart and lungs and for stamina, you need to do some sort of huffy puffy cardio exercise. You choose what that is. It doesn't matter. You've got a, a trillion choices. I'm going to tell you, you need to strength train all the muscles in your body. If you don't like dumbbells, fine. I don't care. Use bands. Use a cable machine. Use medicine balls. Use freeway. Use you know. Use whatever you like. So, my job isn't to tell people you have to do what I like to do. It's these four pillars of fitness are necessary. Here's some options. You you pick and choose. And then perhaps, you know, you're like me and you evolve. I spent my twenties competitively kickboxing. That's what I did. I competed as a kickboxer. I stood in a ring. And I kick people in the head. And then and I had kids and I stopped doing that. And then I started running races. And now I'm ballroom dancing. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that people can go from one thing to the next to the next. And none of that is wrong. If you want to spend your whole life in one sport, okay, fine, boring. You know, maybe mix it up a little bit. Yeah, it's always good to kind of be more, uh, you know, open to to like expansive ideas in terms of like if you're in a narrow lane they tend to be you know limited and like you said it's like if you're only doing one leg of something or pillar one pillar and you think that's a good enough it's like that's there's so much focus on narrow focus today <clears throat> because people say well yeah you're good at that narrow thing and then that's what you focus on just that but a lot of times it's always the gray areas that seem to collide and you got to really look at the whole thing, like the heart, the mind, the body, the soul. Yeah. 
right? So if you if you don't pay attention to your heart and your mind and your spirit, then the mindset might keep prevent you from doing anything physical. Sure. So that that's another part of it. So how how do you address like people's like like uh, spirit and their their the mindfulness piece of it? <sighs> Give them the opportunity to do things they enjoy that uh, make them feel better, that pain-free, living pain-free goes a long way. If you could get rid of back pain or knee pain or whatever it is dragging you down, you're going to start feeling better when you exercise and you accomplish whatever task of the day, or maybe you've lost a certain amount of weight or you've accomplished a certain athletic adventure, you know, your spirit soars, you build confidence everything in life seems a little bit easier. So I truly believe that physical health is one of the great necessities for mental health. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard thing today with some of the sedentary uh, requirements of work. You know, a lot of jobs kind of measure how long you stay, you sit at that cube, you sit at that computer, and you have to find ways to open that up so you're not just staying hours and hours in the cube, not right. moving your body. But some people are, are measured by how, how many keystrokes they're doing, how much the output they're doing, they're being watched, you know, through the net. And it's like, so there's like, oh, I, I can't leave my, my seat because I need to do this. Well, the boss wants me to do it. <laughs> all this, but there are things we can do at our desk. Like right now, my body's doing better than yours is because... I'm stretching my upper body. I could be on a, a phone conversation and walk inside a building. I could walk and talk on the outside of the building. I highly recommend walk and talk meetings for whether whether you're in person or you're in Zoom, on Zoom, there's no reason you can't move around. Uh, they used to offer smoke breaks, cigarette breaks, which just kills me. What a disgusting, disgusting. Okay. The only break you could do was an unhealthy break. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, 15 minutes to get up and go walk or go in a private area in your office and do some burpees or push-ups or lunges or, or try a dips, whatever, whatever it is, there's a bunch of options. You just have to force them into your work day. And um, people say they can't. I think that's garbage. I think there's always an opportunity for you to get it done. And you should. You should make the time. Force it in. Yeah, I think you can force like for, force that walk. I have like, you know. I have a like a, a pedaling thing and a and an actual um what is it uh I can actually treadmill and I have a stand up desk so I have a stand up desk with a treadmill which you kind of see like a Google Google yeah. you know some of the high tech companies like Google and Apple they set up stand up desk where you know in that workspace you when you sit down you can pedal when you right. stand up you can you can walk yeah. and then you can go off to the break room and, and, and play pool or play te tennis or like something like you, you get out of just sitting at the desk. They, they started to realize that forcing the, the creative people to just be in the cube. Wasn't that productive that allowing people to go off and walk and, and do the meeting. Like you said, like take a walk and do the meeting on your Bluetooth. Absolutely. I, I do that all the time in New Hampshire. I live in a cul-de-sac and I, I go off on my Bluetooth and I, I walk like five miles in the middle of my meeting, you know? <laughs> so it gives me, you know, it just makes you feel better. I agree. 
but it's it's it, like you you force it. You, well, you force something that you think the boss is telling you you can't, right? But a lot of times you can still fit it in because you don't, you know, you're not telling them everything you're doing. You just do it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't uh, accept a sedentary experience all day, every day, as a as an acceptable profession. So I would I would make the choice for myself. I would get out and take that cigarette break to go walk, or do other things. Yeah, well, I'm I'm a software developer, so we kind of measure it a certain way, <laughs> which is kind of limiting. But you can get around it. Um, but one of the things that that health and fitness did impact your remission and recurrence, because like you were talking, like you you're 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 in remission, and you're you're doing these healthy lifestyles, and maybe you can talk about that the you know the maybe the stats or the information you've discovered uh, regarding that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of evidence. It's funny. Let me see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote myself accurately. So, right on the cover, a and that's a study at Tel Aviv University published in November of 2022 in the Cancer Research Journal found that high intensity aerobic exercise can reduce the risk of metastatic cancer. That means cancer spreading throughout your body by 72%. So if you have cancer and you don't want it to spread, high intense cardiovascular exercise, the kind that makes you huff and puff, can prevent spreading by 72%. That's pretty powerful stuff. So there's many other studies that people can utilize, but know that there are foods that help, there are foods that hurt. Um, as we know, there's, you know, people like to point at sugar. Sugar causes cancer. I'm not sure that's true. There are no yeah. actual statistics to prove that sugar feeds cancer. I was told that when I was going through cancer, but I've looked at the study since and I, I don't see any evidence. I see some uh, anecdotal evidence, but I, I haven't read a study. But, you know, when people get a cold, they catch a common cold or COVID or whatever, all of a sudden they all, they all want to have vitamin C, right? They're eating all the oranges and the strawberries or getting some sort of pill version of vitamin C. So important to have an immune system when you a strong immune system when you're catching a cold. Okay, well, let's talk about you've got cancer. How strong do you want your immune system to be? I think having it be at its absolute strongest to fight cancer is way more interesting than having a really strong immune system to just fight a cold. So choosing foods that are going to make you stronger, more resilient to your disease or infection you know, every, I would say that almost every day of my cancer, I had a needle poked through me. It was constantly being poked, constantly. I had to go in for IV fluids every day for, for dehydration. Every single time I had a needle poked into my chest or my arm, I was at risk for infection. And so mm -hmm. it really matters, you know, and then there's some foods that take away. There are foods like um, processed meats. They are a class one carcinogen right next to asbestos and cigarettes are bacon and uh oh, americans are into their bacon i mean bacon is pushed so so heavy in in our in our system is this pushed so much and nobody wants to talk about i haven't heard or seen an article in the main street media pushing against bacon but you see all the ads telling you to get it, it is you know <laughs> to buy it <laughs> which means you have a similar risk factor for digestive cancers, 
with processed meats as you do lung cancer with cigarettes or asbestos. I mean, are you kidding me? So there are- Yeah, food, food is real quick core. You know, it's not just the cigarettes. The food is is killing so many people because people, you know, it's it's that sanitary job that gets you stressed out that you go and get the prepackaged, you know, like, uh, you know, junk you're, food. Listen, so you <laughs> to, to suggest that the sedentary job is causing your stupid eating is, is not acceptable. Basically, people have a tendency to make terrible choices. You know, if their family was overweight, they say, oh, it's not my fault. It's genetic. We're big people. No, you have a bunch of family members who eat like crap, who don't exercise, and now you are repeating the same behavior. Your body wants to be fit. Your body wants to move. And if you put the right amounts of the right food in it, you will be of ideal size. And if you move your body in a particular way, you will look good and feel good and be able to perform in a at a very high level. So, you know, the sedentary job doesn't cause you to eat crap. It's a, a, a habit of making lazy, poor decisions, right? It's just a religious behavior of choosing poorly and not prioritizing health. So, so yeah, you have to make those decisions. And again, you choose, we all know what foods are healthy, right? We learned it in kindergarten. It was fruits and vegetables and nuts and beans and uh, lean dairy sources. And so and on the bad side of thing are processed foods and fried foods and you know, red meats belong there. They increase your chances of uh, digestive cancers. They're a class 2B carcinogen, according to the World Health Organization. Alcohol damages your DNA, makes you far more susceptible to cancer. So, you know, we make choices. Cigarettes are bad. Smoking marijuana, equally bad for your lungs. And people like to just put their, cover their ears and their eyes and la, 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 marijuana is super cool. No. Moron. I seem to think lung that it's like healthy, you know. You, you lung cancer, to, yeah. Oral cancer, esophageal cancer. Keep smoking marijuana. It's a it's good still idea. Smoking. You're still smoking. You're smoking something different, but it's still smoking. That belong in your lungs are oxygen. Like we don't want to have yeah. anything else in there. You so. have all these chemicals in in you, from the smoke. It's not just you know. It's just, it's the same part, same level of chemicals coming from tobacco. But so, I yeah, I think it also is like people. You know, when you look at people that were able to cook homemade meals with good ingredients rather than prepackaged, like you could cook, but if you cook a hamburger helper, that's not really gonna help you. But like you need to cook from scratch, and it's kind of like like the question is like, yeah, it's it's a little lazy to say, well, my job doesn't give me the time, so I order out or I order the pre-process. You you can take the time to actually go and cook. And and get make the right decisions and buy the right food and actually look into the ingredients because well, a lot of people you know do they actually look at the ingredients they're buying at the supermarket or so, they just buy what the grandma bought or their mom bought without thinking about what it is. Right. So mindless eating is never a good decision. But I'm going to make life even easier on folks. Is you can get lots of healthy food at restaurants. I get it all the time. I order lots of vegetables and fruits and lean protein sources and nuts. I get all sorts of good stuff at restaurants. So just because you're going to a restaurant doesn't mean you can't have a salad and a baked potato and some grilled veggies. And you can say, hold the oil, hold the butter. I'd like my veggies seasoned, right? I'd like a big, beautiful salad. Maybe you like seafood. There's a ton of healthy yeah, yeah. You can yeah, even fast food. When you go to the grocery store, of course, you know, um, 
fresh produce is a gold standard, but you also can get produce in the frozen food section that's equally healthy, if not healthier, because new, uh, produce loses nutrition in uh, transportation as, as it goes from one place to mm -hmm. another. Mm -hmm. truck, it will lose nutrition, but those frozen foods are often frozen on site where frozen, yeah. close to it. And so their nutrition stays and you can always find bags of you know, fresh California blend or whatever the heck it is you want. Those fresh produce and veggies are not fresh. The frozen produce and veggies. That's where you get a lot of BOGO deals. Buy one, get one. Though They're yeah. always on sale. They're always coupons. And then when it comes to fresh produce, I only buy what's in season. So in the summer, I'm happy to buy my children and myself giant watermelons over and over and over. But I am not buying watermelons in January. You have lost your mind. They're probably 20 bucks a piece. I'm just not going to do it. So instead, I spend my money wisely on the produce that is in season. In fact, mandarins on little tangerines just went on sale. They're in season. I got a whole bag for three bucks and that's thrilling to me. So, you know, eating healthy doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have a have to take a lot of time. If you feel like you're in a rush and you just need to eat something fast, okay, well, what's faster than unpeeling a banana or mm -hmm. an apple? apple. Yeah. Tossing a few nuts into your face. You know, you don't have to eat garbage to eat quickly or to eat affordably. It's just a lazy behavior that you can upgrade. Upgrade that behavior. I highly recommend. Yeah, it's very important because um, it's like, like you said, like it's not always like the frozen lot of people with all veggies, fresh veggies are so expensive. But like you say, if you go for the frozen veggies, it's not those aren't as expensive. So like once you start stop giving yourself the reasons why you can't do it, then you start finding the reasons why you can't. <laughs> so oh, like they, yeah. Wait, so my the other part of my brand is kind of a no excuses mindset. I have very rarely in my decades worth of teaching fitness came across someone with a valid excuse for not exercising or a valid excuse for not eating right. In fact, it's it's almost never happened. So whoever you are, whatever excuse you think you have that works, it doesn't. It just doesn't. So get your stuff together. Do better. Well, I think that's a place we can end on it because I think uh, we've talked about how you can really control your life yeah. and you you have shown that you controlled the, the your situation during your cancer uh, uh episode and you're able to come out of it but in the middle of it you had a mindset and you had a practice that i think is really exemplary and um i, I do encourage people to check out the link to check out your website and dive into your books and uh actually i do want to let people know that the link is clickable when we're fully published. So you can go right to, to your website and uh, get in connection with there. You can get all your books from that website. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I prefer it when people buy the three books at fitness.com, they can get them elsewhere, but if they come to fitness.com to make their purchase, most people buy them as gifts for somebody they love with cancer. I sign every last book that leaves my office and um, we inc include uh, fun little gifts with purchase, and then we wrap it beautifully because I want all my readers to feel loved. Well, that's cool. That's a, that's a good value add of actually doing that. 
And another reason to encourage you to get it there, maybe instead of Amazon, not that you can't get it probably Amazon, but I, I, I do encourage people to to support the, the people we talk to by clicking their links and get, and, and dealing with the, the diving deeper into what we've discussed here. You can dive deep there at fitness.com. So thank you again for being a guest on the Fam Electric Goes podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope everybody else, you know, uh, prioritizes their health. Do better. And if you need any help, come, come ask me. I'm easy to find. Thank you.